Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. We'll be in the book of Luke here in just a second. Luke chapter 1, if you want to get a head start over there and and turning your Bibles today. What an exciting, exciting time of the year it is. Uh, wow, to be blessed by such great reminders this morning of what the Christmas season is really all about. To be blessed with the opportunity to see so many faces today and some old friends who've come our way. And, and uh, man, such powerful, powerful, powerful uh, memories. Memories are packed into this season. Uh, I hope many good ones for you and many good ones for your family. You know, it's hard for me not to, to think about the times when my, my children were small and uh, uh, the celebrations we had around the family Christmas tree and uh, Christmas Eve morning uh, is actually when our family does what we do before we go and hit the rest of the family. But gosh, I can remember when the kids were young and small and it seemed like, you know, the, the gifts that you buy and, and the stuff that, that they um, would like to have, you know, uh, all of them needed something really, really, really important. Really, really important. Uh, they all needed something really, really important. In fact, this was a hard lesson that I learned, you know, as a young dad, that when you go Christmas shopping and you buy gifts, you need to really think about all the details. You really need to think about all the details because most of the gifts that the kids, we bought for the kids when they were younger, they all needed something that was really, really, really important. In fact, this thing that was needed for these gifts that was really, really important, uh, I'm telling you, just the cost of these things alone almost just, you know, was as, as expensive as the item itself that these things were designed to go into. Does anyone have any idea what I'm talking about, in fact, you know, you get all the kids there underneath the Christmas tree. Uh, I say all the kids. We had two. At least I think we have two. Um, I know that we have two uh, in case one shows up that I don't know about. But anyway, we have two. And um, you get all these presents out and, and they're excited about opening them up. And, and, and there they all are underneath the Christmas tree. And they are so excited. And, and you look at the box. The box itself looks awesome, right? And you got all these lights, and you have all these bells, and all these whistles, and all these noises. I mean, you know what? You know, like, a, a, what does a robot do? You know, what does a? Did any of y'all ever have one of those train tracks? Uh, or put around the the, the the tree? You know, my dad's such a big kid that he decided he had to have a train track around his tree, so he got one like year, last year, something like that. Uh, you have all this stuff out, and, and then the kids are excited about, you know, putting them together. Well, actually, they're not because you put them together. You end up putting them together, which, by the way, you also have to have a degree to be a father at Christmas time. You have to have an engineering degree to be able to do this stuff. And you put all this stuff together, and, and every single thing is intended to make a noise, make a sound, flash a light, be loud. There's nothing, I mean, peace on earth, baloney. Right? There is no peace under the tree. And then you put them all together, and the kids are excited, and they're like, oh, Daddy, turn it on. 
turn it on, Dave, turn, turn it on. And you go over there and you're like, oh, Jiminy, Christmas. I forgot the one thing that all these toys and items absolutely must have. I forgot the batteries. Don't tell me you've never done that. Can, do we have any confessions today? Dad's just around the room saying, or, or moms, that's good. Yeah, there have been more times than once that I forgot the batteries because it happens. And these things are absolutely lifeless without having batteries. They're, they're by all practical purposes, they're pretty dead. Without having the appropriate power to animate them and to lead them to do the very thing that they were designed and made to do. To entertain children, right? Today, we are talking about new beginnings and fresh starts. I have been so encouraged over the last several weeks. By the number of people who have said to me, if you're preaching to anyone, you are preaching to me. I need, my family needs, a new beginning and a fresh start. This is inherently what the Christmas season is truly all about. It is about new beginnings. It is about fresh starts. God himself is into making things new. And there's a good possibility that as you sit in this room today, your life is in need of a serious change. God, in his word, says through Christ that he has given to us a new covenant. A new covenant. He's into new things. He gives to us in Christ a covenant of grace that is called the new covenant. Scripture also teaches that if you, if you, if you, if you, look at your neighbor and say, if you. If you, if you, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. When you fast forward to the end of the biblical text, to the book of Revelation, you see the apocalyptic Christ. And he says, I make all things what? I make all things new. God is into new beginnings and fresh starts. And today. That just might be you. It might be the person you're sitting next to. You are in need of a serious change in your life. And if God could speak into your life. He might say this. He might say. If something doesn't change about the course that you're on. There's going to be a world of hurt and a world of pain that is awaiting you. In fact, you might be on the other end of that spectrum. You might be in need of a new beginning and a fresh start. Because you have been in a season. Of pain. You've been in a season of difficulty. You might find yourself today in a season of hopelessness. And because of that, you are at a place where you're crying out to God and you're saying, God, I need a new beginning. I need a fresh start. I'm going to tell you something that has hit me square between the eyes this past week in regards to new beginnings and fresh starts. And this is the one thought, the one thought. That you need to take away with you today. And it's this. If you're taking notes. If you want to jot this down. I think it is well worth remembering. Because when I read it. And I came across it. I thought this, this, this is it. New beginnings. And fresh starts. 
begin when you are, when you realize, let me say this again, new beginnings and fresh starts begin when you realize that you are powerless to change yourself. New beginnings and fresh starts begin when you realize and you accept the fact that you are powerless to change yourself. Just like the toys under the tree that need a power outside of themselves that come into them to animate them and to bring them to a point where they fulfill the, the, the intended purpose for which they're made. Your fresh start, your new beginning will come when you invite a power outside of yourself to take control of your life. And we suggest to you today that the most effective power that can come into your life is through the person of Jesus. And today he wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit to give you the change and the start that you need. If this is anyone's story, if this is anyone's song, this is my story, this is my song. If it's anyone's, it's Mary. Last week we looked at Mary in the biblical text. And we realized that for Mary at that point in time when the angel Gabriel came to her. And this is in Luke's gospel of chapter 1. When the angel Gabriel came to her. At that point in time. The angel focused upon Mary. Everything that God wanted to do from that time forward. What he was how the Spirit was going to come over her life. That she was a virgin, had never been with a man. And God was going to do a miraculous thing in her life. Everything that that angel spoke to her in that divine encounter was about what God wanted to do at that point in time forward and, and what He was going to do with her life. His plan for her life. His future for her life. Uh, what He was going to do for the world even through her life. It's just an amazing thought and, and realization that there is Mary stood as a young girl, possibly as young as the age of 13 or 14 years old. That everything about her, her life was being pointed to the future. And at that point in time, and what's important when it comes to new beginnings and fresh starts, is to come to terms and to accept the fact that at the moment in time, at this moment in time, your past does not matter. Your past doesn't matter. God is a God of grace. And what happened yesterday, what happened this morning, it does not matter in regards to what God wants to do from this time forward in your life. Her past, your past, doesn't matter. Today, what you have to understand is that your power does not matter. Your power to change yourself. Your power to, to change the course of your life. Your power to do whatever needs to be done in your life. Your power today does not matter. What must come upon your life is the power of another. Whether you are battling a, a bad temper. And you just fly off the handle and you need to change. You might be battling an insecurity today in your life. You might be battling a, a lack of self-control. 
You might be battling uh, an overpowering personality that seems to repel as opposed to attract people to your life. You might be dealing with the things within yourself that leads to broken relationship upon broken relationship upon broken relationship. You might be dealing with a heart that doesn't trust. It's hard for you to trust and this is impacting your life. Uh, you might have a lack of discipline in your life today. You just can't seem to get it together. You might be battling an addiction today. You are battling flesh patterns. Things that continue to, to happen in your life. No matter what it is that you're coming against today. You must accept the fact that you need another power to come upon you. And that your power to affect change in your life does not matter. This seems to be the story of Mary. Because in the biblical text, she is called the favored one. She's the favored one. And the favored one means the graced one. The graced one. In that idea of Mary being the graced one. Because grace is the undeserved favor of God. That means that Mary in and of herself was not bringing anything to the table. We believe that she loved the Lord. Uh, we believe that she was in a position of her life to walk with Him. To accept what He had for her life. It seems that that's all she brought to the table. And she's called the favored one. Because when God comes to her, when the angel Gabriel makes this announcement, grace is coming to her. And she's called the favored one. In the story in Luke chapter 1, we know that she goes to the home of Elizabeth. Elizabeth was also experiencing a miracle of miracles in her life. Elizabeth, who was Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, her and her husband, Zacharias, were unable to have children. And she had already been experiencing a miracle of miracles in her life because what was happening inside of her was going to be the birth of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was in her womb. Mary, listen to this, Mary goes to visit Elizabeth after receiving word. She is now pregnant. We know that she, the baby's growing inside of her womb. Why do we know that? We know that because when she's talking to Elizabeth, the scripture says that in Elizabeth, the baby leaps in her womb. John's a little bit older than Jesus. So we have these two babies in these two wombs. And this divine encounter happening in the home of Elizabeth. And when John in Elizabeth's womb hears Mary's voice. There is something going on there that lets him know that gosh. He, he's in the presence of someone special. There's a divine encounter. And the baby leaps inside of her womb. Now think about this for a second as well. For Mary to go to Elizabeth. You know she's trying to get out of town. She goes to Mary's house. Which is uh, removed from where she lives. There's a good possibility. That you know with everything that was happening in Mary's life. You know she needed to get somewhere. And she needed to be with someone. That she could talk to. Someone outside maybe of her immediate circle. Because here's something we know. Something we know. About change and change in our lives. And listen to me. Even when God starts to do a new thing in your life. It does not mean that the road ahead. The road ahead. 
with God's hand all over you, it does not mean that the road ahead is going to be an easy road. I mean, here she is. She's a virgin. She's pregnant. I mean, imagine the town gossip. Joseph has to defend her. You can imagine the position that her parents must have felt in. Uh, they were in the scandal that was all around her. My goodness, my goodness. Even after they give birth to Jesus, Herod wants to kill Jesus. They have to flee. They, they take off. They, they go. They, they go to Bethlehem. After that, even on to Egypt. You know, it's a life on the run because Jesus isn't the most popular baby on the planet when he's born. So just because God might have his hand on your life and he's affecting change in your life or giving you that new beginning and fresh start, it does not mean that the road ahead is going to be an easy road without challenge. You will continue to have to come back and rely upon that power that is without you. You'll have to come back again and again and again and rely upon that power that is without you. That power that must come into you. That must come upon you. So in this conversation. That Elizabeth and Mary have together. Elizabeth says. Blessed. Is she who believed. That there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her. By the Lord. Elizabeth makes this pronouncement upon Mary. Blessed. Is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. I want to say that again. The divine encounter is met with Mary's faith. Mary, when she heard it the first time, she said, let it be unto me as you desire, Lord. Can, can, can we honestly come to that point today? Can we come to this point and say, Lord, whatever you have, let it be unto me according to your word. So she embraces it. She accepts it. Her cousin Elizabeth in that encounter, in that visit says, blessed is she who did what? Blessed is she who did what? Blessed is she who believed. She believed and what God was going to do through her, in her, for the world. She believed it before it all came to pass. Her faith, her faith is preeminent in what God wanted to do in her life. And then you know what she does? I love this. She does what we all love to do at Christmas. She sings. It's believed to be a song. Actually, uh, music was put to this later. Many would just simply call it a, a poem. But if you look in the biblical text in Luke chapter 1, beginning around verse 46, Mary breaks out in song. I mean, don't you love to sing the Christmas songs? Aren't they awesome? I mean, there's only one time of the year that you come together and we sing these particular songs, whether they're Advent songs, you know, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Those are Advent songs to prepare us for 
Christmas and the celebration of Christmas. By the way, the 12 days of Christmas begin when? Christmas Day. Technically, they begin Christmas Day. And historically, Christians began the celebration Christmas Day and the 12 days of Christmas followed and went to January the 6th. Today, since we live on this side of the cross, our Christmas celebration kind of runs and blends together with the Advent season. The Advent season is a time of preparation to prepare for Christ to come. But yet we blend it together, and it's great that we can do this, that we blend it together with the celebration. But we love to sing these songs. What's your favorite Christmas song? Have you got a favorite Christmas song? What about Oh Holy Night? Anyone just love Oh Holy Night? Okay, well, you get to sing it right now. Would you please stand where you are? Okay, just kidding. Oh Holy Night, love. Oh Holy Night. I, I wish I could, man, get those high notes, right? What's your favorite? Jingle bells. I like jingle bells. Somebody else, what's your favorite Christmas song? Do what? Yeah. Yeah. You like Jingle Bells too? Do what? Feliz Navidad. What you got? Isn't it called White Christmas? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's something somebody dreamt about. I don't know. Yes, over here. What's your favorite Christmas song? Mary, did you know? Love. Love that song, Mary, Did You Know? Andrew. Little Drummer Boy. Love the Little Drummer Boy. What you got right there? What's your favorite Christmas song? Away in the Main. Awesome. All these songs are tremendous. How many of y'all would say, man, my favorite Christmas song is the Magnificat? You say, what in the world is that? This is actually what Mary's song is. Is called. It's the Magnificat. It's, it's from the uh, word exalt. It's from the word exalt. Or to magnify. And so let's look at that together real quick. So Mary breaks out into song. And she says. My soul exalts the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me what? All generations. I think we have the text. This is, we're in the text. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And we move to verse 48. At the end of it. There it is. For behold. From this time on, all generations will count me blessed. I love what she says next. For the mighty one has done what? Has done great things for me. The mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is his name. He met her at a point where her past did not matter. He infuses her with a power when her power did not matter. She looks at herself and she says, grace has come over me. I am blessed. He has done great things for me. 
And her heart simply wants to exalt. And somebody could come along and say, now, Mary, do you know the world of trouble that's getting ready to come? The world of challenge that's getting ready to come into your life? Mary, this is not an easy road. And I would say Mary would reply back and say, you know what? With, with God, all things are possible. Just like it was said by the angel. And as long as God with, is with me and God is doing this and he's doing this through me and he's walking with me and I've got his power, then nothing else really matters. But this word, exalt, there in that first verse, my soul exalts the Lord, it's to magnify, it's the magnificent. This is Mary's song. She would say, this is my story, this is my song. The Magnificat means to magnify. To magnify the Lord, to praise the Lord, to exalt the Lord. To, to magnify means that you take something as it is, and you make it bigger, you make it greater. It means to bring it to a, a higher esteem and to a higher place. Now watch this though. If you're going to magnify something, then that means that everything else in proportion to that which you are magnifying, it diminishes. Say, say that again. If you're going to magnify something, and in this sense she's exalting or magnifying the Lord, if you're going to magnify something, then that means that everything in proportion to that which is magnified has to diminish. You can't have magnification if everything else and everything around it magnifies at the same time, because then you lose the sense or the perspective of magnification. You say, well, what is it that has to diminish? What is it that has to diminish? If God is going to do a new beginning, a, a new beginning and a fresh start in my life, then what must diminish? Okay, my power, I'm not dependent on my power anymore. What must diminish? And it's your pride. It is your pride. Your pride must diminish for him to be magnified in your life. Watch this in this tremendous song. We'll go to verse 50. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who do what? To those who fear him. To fear him means to magnify him. It means to be in awe of him. It means to, to honor him, to respect him. It means, it means that you just simply put him where he belongs in your life. She says, he has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were what? He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He's brought down rulers from their thrones and has what? Has exalted those who were what? Those who were humble to magnify the Lord means that something must diminish in my life, and that thing which must diminish in my life is my own sense that I can do this on my own, by myself. I can do it in my own power. I can do this my own way. And as Emily and I had this very conversation last night, I asked her the question. I said, what does this look like? I mean, people say, well, let go and let God all day long. But what does that look like? What does it really look like when you do that. And the words of wisdom in that conversation came back. 
And it just simply meant that it was simply said, you just stop. You just stop doing it on your own. You just stop taking the initiative. You stop trying to make things happen in your own accord and power. You stop trying to force the issue. You stop. And then you let things take a course where you're trusting God to lead those things. You stop running ahead of God. You stop trying to dictate how this goes or that goes, your family, your marriage, your relationship. You stop. And then you let Him somehow supernaturally ordain and move and arrange the events and the things of your life. It means you take your hands off of it. And trust Him with it. And then when you do need to move or act or say, you trust the power of Christ in you, the hope of glory, to propel you and to move you. And then you speak. And then you do. And then you act because you know it's a divine, it's a divine inclination of your heart. How do I get to a point where this new beginning and fresh start comes to me. I swallow my pride. And I let Him be the mover and the shaker of my life. She acknowledges that God exalts the humble. He brings down the high, the mighty, the proud. This theme goes on in verse 53. He has filled the hungry with good things. The impoverished and those who acknowledge a need and those who are hungry. He sent away the rich empty handed. He has given help to Israel his servant in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. So she sees this big, big picture. Listen, to this. she sees this huge picture in her life that what God is doing in and through me is just not about me. These are for his purposes. And for what he's going to do. In, through my life, through the people around me, the world around me. There's no egocentric, self-centered thought in regards to the purposes of God in her life. She sees a bigger picture unfolding. Might it be that God wants to do a new thing in your life, not just because of what He wants to do in your life, but because of what He wants to do in the lives of the people around you. Your family, your friends. The people who do life with you. Has it ever dawned upon you. That when you walk where God wants you to walk. Not only are you being obedient to his will for your life. But you're trusting his will for the lives of other people. And so many of us we want to rescue. And we want to save. And, and we want to spare. 
or do this or do that in regards to the people around us. And so many times we fail to trust God with their lives. When we walk and we trust, He's going to take care of those who will trust in Him. Could it be that the biggest hindrance in the lives of the people around you in regards to them walking in faith is you? Because they need to see the example and the life of faith lived out. And you could be a catalyst that God uses to bring about that in their lives. What does faith look like? How many times in Scripture have you ever thought, okay, what does faith look like? And you're pointing to a person. I'll never forget when I was a young man. I'm just very thankful for the influence of other people in my life. I would not be anywhere in life even close to where I think I am today if it weren't for the influence of other people in my life. And I remember a very wise man said to me years before I ever had children, he said, Alan, you're going to come to a place in your life and you're going to, have to, you're going to take a big step in faith. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, trusting the Lord with your life is one thing. Trusting the Lord with the lives of your children and the people around you is a whole other place of walking in faith. And that was just encouragement to me. Such encouragement to me. That I don't have to be the savior and the rescuer of the people around me. God can use me. But one of the biggest things he could do in any of our lives. Is to raise up a, a model of just faith in him. So she saw a much bigger picture. Than her own self at this point. So a couple of things we take away from this. Tremendous song. This is my story. This is my song. The Magnificat. The first thing we see here is that God scatters. The proud in the plans of their own hearts. There is a revolution that takes place in this Christmas story. Christianity, if it's anything, it is the death of pride. William Barclay wrote in his commentary, is actually devotional. He says, Christianity is the death of pride. Why? Because if a man sets his life beside that of Christ, it tears the last vestiges of pride from him. There's a story, an old story, about a young man who was brought up in a small village and he used to go to school with this girl. And he used to sit beside this girl in class at school. And they were very fond of each other. As he got older, he decided to leave home, to run from the small village. He needed to go experience the big city. He went and experienced the big city and he fell into all kinds of Self-destructive ways. He became a pickpocket and a petty thief. One day he snatched an old lady's purse. He would recount that it was 
clever work, and he was very proud of the fact that he could get away with stuff like this. And then one day, on the city streets, he looked up and he saw the girl. He used to sit by in class. He saw her coming down the street. She seemed to have this sweet sense of innocence about her. And then in that moment, there was a moment of comparison. And he saw himself and the way that his life had gone. He felt overcome with shame. And the scripture, not the scripture, but the story says, he leaned his head against the cool iron of a lamp standard. And he said, God, I wish I could die. Because in his lost condition, he saw himself. Desperate and hopeless. And this is the picture of the person without Christ. God scatters the proud in the plans of their hearts. He casts down the mighty. He always exalts the humble. There's another story that's told here that I think is really, really kind of cool. Back in the Middle Ages, there was a scholar. His name was Moretus. He was a wandering scholar, as described, of the Middle Ages. He was very poor, but brilliant. He was in an Italian town one day, and he became ill, and he was taken to a hospital for homeless people. The doctors were discussing his case. And as he lay there in the hospital bed, the doctors were discussing his case. And they were talking in Latin, assuming that this poor, uneducated man would have no idea or any clue about what they were saying. As they went on and discussed his case in Latin, one of the doctors suggested that this poor Homeless, worthless wander. Wander might be better used for medical experiments and that his life did not matter. At that point in time, Moretus looked up and answered them in their own learned tongue of Latin. And he said, call no man worthless who Christ died for. So just as this picture of Lostness and brokenness and hopelessness comes in and this one man sees himself in the light of Christ. He must be reminded that no life Christ died for is worthless. And at that point of brokenness, God steps in and he exalts the humble. New beginnings and fresh starts. You must accept the fact that you are powerless to change yourself or your circumstances. You must swallow pride and accept Christ's power into your life. To stop doing what you've done of your own self. And to trust Him to take your life from this point forward and to direct your ways 
injured path. And that might be when the new beginning and the fresh start really takes roots in your life. So I'm going to invite you just to quietly to stand with us today. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.